It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M. And guys, let's just get you caught up on what we know from us and our meetings at the Locked On Podcast Network to give you kind of a hint of what's going to happen moving forward. Unfortunately, we all know what's been going on in the world today with the news of the coronavirus now spreading into a kind of global pandemic. I think that's the only word I can really put it into that would describe exactly how this is affecting us, how this is making an impact on the world, how this is making an impact on the world of sports. And unfortunately, the one that's taking the biggest hit right now is going to be college sports. There's no other way to put it. Uh, There was a message from the SEC earlier this week saying that all sports would be suspended until at least April 15th. That now pushes the date back even further than the March 30th scandal that was supposed to be the original date. And that can mean not only is it the end of college basketball season, it's also the end of spring football it's also the end of baseball season, which for any of the AM listeners out there, it's definitely a big blow. I mean, that's the only way I really look at it and go, okay, this is a blow that really hurts the world of sports, for especially fans of Texas A&M. Because the Aggies for baseball were probably going to be a team on the rise, a team that was going to contend for the College World Series in Omaha. That's now officially canceled And most of the subject line is going to go to probably conference championships at best. So, we had a meeting at Locked On Podcast over the weekend, and we talked about what was going to be the face of action moving forward. And what we're going to do, or at least try to do, is keep our schedule normal. We're going to do everything in our part to continue podcasts coming out on a daily basis bringing you content, bringing you news, bringing you updated information surrounding all things in the league. And hopefully, we'll be able to give you at least some type of normalcy to your show. Guys, we know that this epidemic going on right now is very serious. And whether you choose to believe that it is a bigger problem or believe that it's you know being hyped up by certain people, that's your decision. I can't tell you what to think. I can't tell you how to think. What I can tell you is we will be here at least three, if not all five days a week to try and give you the best shows we can to provide excellent content and continue to grow the Locked On Podcast Network. So without further ado, make sure you're following us on social media at Locked On Aggies. Locked On Aggies is your number one source for all things Texas A&M. You can check out all of our great podcasts at LockedOnPodcast.com. Second, Aggies SI. All Aggies, part of the Sports Illustrated Network, have partnered together with the Locked On Podcast Network to give you quality content surrounding everything involving Texas A&M. You can check out all of our great written work at si.com slash T-A-M-U. And last but not least, if you wanted to say, hey, thanks so much for you know staying around. Thanks so much for being a part of it. Man, this show is horrible. Just follow me on social media. It's at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am a mister. I am Cole Thompson. That's my name. Don't wear it out. At Mr. Cole Thompson at Aggies SI, and at Locked on Aggies. While we might not have 
daily coverage of Texas A&M. There are still things going on, especially around the NFL, which will give us some normalcy to the world of sports and at least some to Texas A&M. And one of the biggest storylines broke yesterday with the start of the new CBA rules and salary cap that Ryan Tannehill, former quarterback of Texas A&M, one of the last quarterbacks of, I think, the Big 12 era, if I'm not mistaken. In fact, I think he was the last quarterback before Johnny Manziel came in and took over. He got a brand new deal, and he will remain in Nashville with the Tennessee Titans for at least, I'll say two more years for sure, maybe maybe all four, on a brand new four-year, $118 million extension, $62 million guaranteed. After being traded to the Titans for a six-round pick from Miami when he was drafted in 2012, Tannehill began his career win the Music City as the backup behind former Heisman Trophy winner Marcus Mariota. But by week five, everything kind of went topsy-turvy. The team was having zero success with the former number two overall pick, thus giving the 31-year-old quarterback a shot under center, and he did not disappoint. He would go 7-3 and three as a starter, throwing for over 2,000 passing yards and 22 touchdowns through the year. I think he scored also four on the ground. But it was the playoff appearance that I think made John Robinson and the team look at Tannehill as the future of the organization. Tennessee would become the Cinderella story of the NFL playoffs, making it back to the postseason for the first time since 2017. In those games, and behind the running of Derrick Henry, Tennessee defeated both New England and Baltimore, the number three and the number one seed, uh, led by Tom Brady and the 2019 MVP Lamar Jackson. Both games really were relied heavily on the run game of Henry, but in those games, Tannehill did make plays, and even though he did only throw... 56 times, he completed 30 of his passes, which is a pretty solid number when you look at completion ratings for a quarterback in a run-heavy offense. The team would ultimately lose in the second half to the Kansas City Chiefs, who two weeks later would hoist the Lombardi Trophy as Super Bowl 54 champions, but there was enough promise and there was enough potential that we saw from Tannehill that allowed him to sign a brand new deal this upcoming offseason. And for those Tennessee Titans fans who are also A&M fans who maybe are skeptical of the deal, here's the best way to look at it. He will get $62 million guaranteed, and pretty much it's a two-year deal with an opt-in clause. So of that $62 million guaranteed, he will earn $42 of that million playing on the field. If he was to return one more season, that number would go up to $91 million a year. That is kind of in the same ballpark as Kirk Cousins and what he did uh, when he signed his deal with the Minnesota Vikings. So Cousins had his problems his first year. In year two, he started looking like a competent quarterback. He had a good run game. He had at least a little bit better of offensive line play, which eventually turned Minnesota into a playoff contending team. That's the way you have to look at this Tannehill deal. Say he is able to get the job done. He takes him back to the postseason next year behind the likes of Derrick Henry, but he also takes some steps forward. Maybe instead of 22 touchdown passes, he throws 31. All right, that's kind of valuable for a deal worth $62 million. Say the next year after that, they go to the postseason, they go all the way back to the AFC Championship playoff game. That's worth, I think, $62 million. Two years in the postseason, a solid defense, really good weapons, If John Robinson knows anything about drafting, which I think he does, 
He'll add more weapons to the offense and make some nice moves in free agency to keep this team kind of together. And then after that, say they go all the way to the Super Bowl. That's $91 million for a guy who brought you to three playoff appearances and probably at least brought you to, I would say, I don't know. Um, let's go even at Super Bowl, a Super Bowl appearance. It's not a bad deal. And Tannehill, a guy who has been average, maybe above average at times, had a breakout year. And the quarterback position with the new uh, salary cap rules that came into effect as of Sunday, $10 million were added to the contract. I think that this is a kind of a win-lose situation for both parties involved. For Tannehill, it's less of a loss because of, here's the reality. Say he does well. Well, he's going to earn every single dollar. Uh, For anyone else in this sense... I think when you look at, say, Tennessee fans, if they're now picking number one next year, they're going to be out at least $62 million, but at the same time, they're going to be able to look and see what they can have in the future. Maybe Justin Fields out of Ohio State. Uh, Maybe you look at a guy like Trevor Lawrence if you're picking that high. They're going to have options to go ahead and find the true successor, go with Tannehill for one more year, and release him after that. So I see this as maybe a lose for the short term, uh, a win for the short term, a win for the long term for sure. Because if if he stinks in 2020, he's not the long-term plan. That's for certain. Part of a long-term plan for any team is coaching staffs. And we know that Texas A&M has a pretty solid one, led by Jimbo Fisher. But After two years in College Station, where would he rank among the top coaches in the NCAA right now? We're going to break that down in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me get your personal opinion on something. Do you like listening to podcasts? Well, you should. And if so, make sure you're listening to all of our great content over at the Locked on Podcast Network. Every single show from college sports to NFL to NHL to NBA to MLB and fantasy sports will be at your listening ears. And during this difficult time, you're going to want to listen to something. That is our job, our promise to you, is to continue to bring some type of content to your screen in this troubling time with the COVID-19 going on. So make sure you're listening to all of our great content over at LockedOnPodcast.com. Earlier this week, I read a report talking about the greatest college coaches in college football right now. And you know what? There's a few names that make a ton of sense. There's also a few names that you wonder, okay, why are they not in this list? But I think the biggest name of all will be players or coaches in that matter who maybe have underachieved over the last few years versus coaches who are on the rise but still don't have that same type of mentality. Those are things I think everyone kind of looks at when they look at coaching staffs, when they look at head coaches. Is it about the longevity of a per, of a person or is it about the short-term kind of style? Well, Ralph D. Russo of the American Associated Press released a podcast over the weekend where he spent his time ranking the top 25 coaches across college football. Russo would go in depth as far as his ranking criteria, and he also admitted that nothing is a perfect system. 
Everyone has their own system. Everyone has their own thoughts. Everyone has their own opinion on how something is supposed to go. But he listed his top 25. And when you look at the list, he kind of left off a big name. And that would be Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher signed a 10-year, $75 million contract to join Texas A&M back in 2018 at the start of the year for the start of the season. Since then, Fisher has had back-to-back winning seasons going 8-4 and and 7-5 and in the regular season and two bowl wins uh, both in the Gator Bowl against North Carolina State and most recently the Texas Bowl against Oklahoma State top 25 team this past year. He's now up for a prove-it year when you look at the schedule ahead. You take out Clemson, you put in Colorado. You take out Georgia, you put in Vanderbilt. You now have an FCS program, Abilene Christian, to start your year. A brand new Fresno State team who has no idea what's going on. You also have a North Texas team that is probably average, below average at best. I mean, they had that one really great year under Seth Luttrell, but nothing really has ever come of it since. And you also have to look at some of the coaching changes. Sam Pittman's now at Arkansas. It's a brand new system. It's going to take time to learn. You also got Mike Leach. Brand new system out in Mississippi State. It's going to take time to learn. Lane Kiffin, the lane train goes to Oxford. It's going to take time to get used to the lane train being back in the SEC West. So, again, you would think that the coaches would give him a little bit more credit. Russo did not. He ranked him as the number 10 coach in college football heading into the 2020 season. There's a little surprise near the top. Uh, There's a little surprise, you know, overall. Nick Saban comes in at number one. Dabo Sweeney comes in at number two. And then it gets a little fuzzy. Brian Kelly comes in at number three. Ed Orgeron comes in at number four. James Franklin, number five. Kirby Smart, number six. Lincoln Riley, number seven. Gary Patterson, number eight. Dan Mullen, number nine. And Fisher rounds out the top ten. I think that when you look at what has happened to Fisher since joining the staff up in College Station, there's reason of doubt. Not because of I think that Fisher's a bad coach, but because of the expectation was for him to win immediately, win now, and put A&M into a legitimate contender early on. That isn't always the case, because when you look at the way coaching staffs work, when you look at schedules, when you look at all that, A&M had one of the hardest schedules in college football history. And it only got harder when other teams got good. I mean, you have to realize that. LSU was probably going to be a team that was going to be someone that probably was going to be in that A&M range. But nobody expected them to be an undefeated roster. Nobody expected them to go put up incredible offensive numbers with Joe Brady and Joe Burrow. Nobody expected them to win the SEC championship, number one. And number two, nobody, I repeat, nobody except for the fans out in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, expected them to win the national title handily over a team like Clemson. Fisher had it in this year. I'm not I'm not here to bash, bash the guy or protect the guy. You want to see winning results with a winning program. And College Station is a program that has the ability, has the funds, has the staff, has the players to legitimately be a team on the rise. And then you look back at his career at Tallahassee and Florida State and what he was able to do there. 
He brought home a Heisman Trophy winner in Jameis Winston. He brought home a national championship, the very last one in the BCS era. He's a proven coach who can win. And he's been around winning systems since 2003 when he began his career as the OC at LSU. He has everything you want to win with a head coach. So some of the names on this list, you wonder, okay, what does what do they have? What have they done that makes them better? I mean, I look at this list right now and I go, okay, Brian Kelly, number three, ridiculous. Ed Ordron, number four, ridiculous. Ridiculous. James Franklin, number five. Depending on how you want this done, yeah, James Franklin, number five, if if that's the order you want to put it in, you better have the guys who are six and seven up to three and four with Kirby Smart and Lincoln Riley. Dan Mullen's done a fantastic job throughout his entire career at both Mississippi State and Florida. Why is he nine? Why is Gary Patterson eight? There's a lot of things that go into that. And Jimbo Fisher is definitely in that market, I think, for the top 10 range. Then again, everyone has their own opinion of how things should be ranked and how coaches should be. So what we're going to do when we come back from this break is we're going to break down our top 10 coaches or my top 10 coaches in the college football world and where Fisher ranks between my rankings. I'll give you a hint. He's not number one, but he certainly is not number 10. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson, at Aggies SI, and last but not least, at Locked on Aggies. As Ralph Russo of Associated Sports posted earlier this week on a podcast, he had his top 25 coaches in college football. I'm not going to go that length. I think that's way too long. I think after the top 10, people are kind of like, oh, well, this person goes here. This person fits there. We'll just do it that way. So I'm just going to go ahead and give my top 10 coaches and where Jimbo Fisher ranks in my rankings. On Russo's rankings, he's number 10. I think he's higher. Number one is Nick Saban. I'm not going to waste time. If you want to argue with me that Nick Saban is not the best coach in college football, I'm just going to tell you, okay, argue. I've turned you off. I went to college there. I saw Nick Saban live. I've met Nick Saban multiple times in pressers. I've seen the way his system works, and I've seen how he's regrouped every year. He is number one. Number two is Dabo Sweeney. Sweeney has been to the postseason all but once, I believe, since joining the college football playoff system. They didn't go the first year. Him and Alabama have both missed one time. Clemson missed missed in 2014. Alabama missed the second missed this past year. Sweeney's been to four national titles. He's gone two and two. He's recruited well. He has transformed talent, and he knows what he's talking about—a wide receiver. Sweeney is your number two guy. Number three, I'm gonna go Lincoln Riley, out of Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley, since joining the program, has been a powerhouse. He has kept them afloat when probably they should have taken a step back. Since Riley took over for Bob Stoops, who handed him the reins in 2017, it all has been Oklahoma success. 
And he's done it with three transfer quarterbacks, which I think is why some people maybe are a little hesitant about putting him this high. But 12 and 2, 12 and 2, 12 and 2, one regular season loss to a conference opponent, 24 and 3 in that, three college football playoff appearances, three losses. He's keeping this team alive when a lot of other teams, when you lose a coach who's been around forever, deplete their numbers. They're just, they don't have the same type of record that you want. So I think right now, this is your number three guy. Number four is Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart has done everything asked of him since his days at Alabama. He was an incredible recruiter, number one. He also was a fantastic defensive coordinator for eight years in Alabama. And he brought that same type of mentality back to Athens. He's a hometown boy who grew up there every single year. He's either fini- he's finished first, except for 2016. He went eight and five his first year in for Georgia. Every year after that, they were the conference division title champions. They won the SEC East every single year. Second year there, they won the Rose Bowl. They lost to Alabama in the national championship. Past year, they beat Baylor in the Sugar Bowl. Year before that, they lost to Texas when a lot of the players were already sitting out. 44-12 and 12 in four years of play, seven losses against conference opponents. Kirby Smart has also brought in two top two recruiting classes and a number one recruiting class. This is the guy who I personally think is going to make your team better because of his recruiting style. That is, that's personally the way I look at it. That's personally the way I've always thought of it. And I definitely think that he deserves much more praise than people are giving him. But the guy who I have at number five, right before the guy who we're going to talk about, that's Dan Mullen. Nobody talks about Dan Mullen. And it's a shame nobody talks about Dan Mullen. Because Dan Mullen has gone to every single year, except for his first year coaching in 2009, every single year he has brought in his team to a a bowl game. In those bowl games, he's lost two. That's it. First year there, five and seven. Next year there, nine and four. Every year after that, besides 2016, winning season. Every year, they had a winning season. And even that 2016 one, it was a 500 record. Two years into his career with Florida, 10 and three, 11 and two. Winner of the Peach Bowl, winner of the Orange Bowl. I don't know why people are crapping on Dan Mullen and they're not giving him the respect he deserves because of, while Jimbo Fisher has been great, this is a consistent guy that nobody ever brings up in conversation as who's one of the best coaches in college football. To me, number five is Dan Mullen. Number six is Jimbo Fisher. That's where I put Fisher right now. I want to put him higher, but I can't right now because of his last year at Florida State that bothered me because he was out. 
He knew he wasn't coming back there. He knew he was done in Tallahassee. He knew some team was going to offer him a mega deal, and that's what he did. He took it and he ran with it. But there's so much promise with Fisher. It's hard not to put him in the top five, but it's certainly harder for me to just sit here and go, all right, well, let's look at the facts. Let's look at the numbers. Fisher's a proven winner, and he's won a national title. I have no problem putting Fisher as the number six, the guy just on the outside. And there's guys like Jim Harbaugh who are proven winners who just will not ever go back to that kind of style of play. Fisher's at least stay consistent. Seven for me, I'm going to go James Franklin. Everything he did at Vanderbilt was really great. He took over Penn State when Bill O'Brien left. He's kept that program afloat. They're always a top 25 finish team. Uh, he was able to produce one of the best running backs we've ever seen in Saquon Barkley. They're always a threat to make it to a New Year's Six Bowl. James Franklin's done a very good job. I'm going to go number eight. I'm going to go with Kyle Whittingham out of Utah. Again, another guy nobody talks about. Nobody talks about Utah. Utah's always afloat. Whittingham has done a fantastic job with the Utes. When you look at his record overall, it's astounding that he hasn't been offered something bigger. And I know there's been teams talking about maybe bringing him on, but honestly, why not give the guy a shot? 134 and 64 as a head coach. He's been the head coach since 2004, and he has brought them to, at, what was it, 11 of his 14 years? No, 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 my bad, my bad. 13 of his 16 years. They've had winning seasons. Winning him for me is number eight. Number nine is Brian Kelly, Notre Dame. You got to look at what he's done. He's kept the team afloat. He has kept Notre Dame in contention. They went to a national championship under him against Alabama. last Two years ago, they went to a college football playoff under him. They lost horrendously to Clemson. But he's done a good job. And number 10 is Ed Orgeron. Orgeron is on the rise. We don't really know what Ed Orgeron's going to be. Yeah, he's had one incredible season, but is that because of his supporting staff or is that because of what he personally has done? This upcoming year, I think, will give us a better picture of what Orgeron is as a head coach and not him relying on his staff members or relying on other people to make a name for himself. That's my personal belief. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson at Aggies SI. And last but not least, Locked on Aggies. Tomorrow, it was supposed to be the start of the tournament play. Unfortunately, that kind of disappeared. So instead, we here at Locked on Aggies have decided to keep the tournament passion alive by making sure we do something along the lines of it. So starting tomorrow, we will be breaking down our top 68 players in the history of Texas A&M sports, how their careers have fared out, and we'll be setting up the brackets on how they're going to play each other, eventually going all the way down to who is the greatest athlete in Texas A&M history. But while you're at it, why don't you make sure you stop on by and listen to some great NFL draft content brought to you by Locked On NFL Draft and Draft Dudes. Both shows, both know all the all the people who are involved in it. Fantastic podcast. You're going to want to listen to it. But until then, we'll see you tomorrow. And remember, Ingram, y'all. This has been Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.